Yeah, so I'm Rod West and I'm coaching the um, Bonnet Bay Premier League women. Um, and I've been coaching the senior women A down there for, I believe, about 10 years, maybe 11. Um, and I've coached the boys' teams down there as well. So I think I started coaching down there probably 20-odd years ago. Um, 2000 could have been the first year, but I'm terrible with numbers and memory. Hello and welcome to the Sutherland Shire Football Podcast, Strike Her, where we talk to the players and coaches of the Green Options SSFA Premier League Women's Competition during what is the biggest year for women's football. 2023 is the year of the FIFA World Cup, where the Matildas and our New Zealand neighbours host international teams all vying for a solid gold trophy that is awarded to the winners of the football tournament. We explore the development of our Premier League women players, we hear their stories and sideline dramas that are creating the inspiration for our grassroots teams across the Sutherland Shire. Women have challenged the structures of sports, clearing space to play and attracting a demanding crowd that want to see them succeed. We explore the development of our Premier League women players and coaches. You'll find out how they balance working, training and game day, what drives their commitment and maintains their well-being. These are the personal stories in a tsunami of change that women's sport continue to enjoy. sponsors, Green Options Landscape Management and Deploy Football not only bring you this intimate conversation and the live coverage of 23 of our Premier League games, but are proud to extend their long-term partnership with the Sutherland Shire Football Association in 2023. With humble beginnings in the region, Green Options Landscape Management and Deploy Football are proud to be a truly local Shire business supporting the grassroots clubs, players and coaches of the SSFA. Today we are joined by Green Options, SSFA Premier League women's team, Bonnet Bay, and we've got our coach of the team, Rod West, in the room. Rod, I want to allow people to get to know you really quickly, so we're going to start with a rapid fire quiz. Are you yeah, good? they'll be slow answers, but <laughs> um, yeah, give it your shot. Okay, let me ask you a really hard, slow question. <laughs> What's your favourite movie? Ah, oh, do you know, it's probably really corny now, but The Three Amigos with Steve Martin was was high up there when I was younger. Um, yeah, not a massive movie buff. Okay, well, do you have a nickname? Sure. Well, I get Westy a lot, but yeah. That's... yeah. What's your favourite flavour of chips? Plain, thin, definitely. What one word describes you? Wow. That's, I don't know, one word. Uh, what did Marxie say? <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't have a word, but I'll, I'll, I could work one out. You could um, do more than one word. Well, actually loyalty is a big one, especially in terms of football and club. Um, yeah, always very, very, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. So, yeah, I would say loyalty. Um, but then there's probably people who I've backstabbed through the, <laughs> so that's not true. He was an asshole. But um, 
So Definitely. tell me a little bit more about loyalty because um, we learned from one of your players who we've just interviewed, being Sarah, that you have been coaching down at Bonnet Bay, actually just there to coach the good game of soccer. Yeah, so we I first went to Bonnet Bay in I think it was 99, 1999 we moved from I was coaching at, or, and playing at, um, in the Canterbury District at Roseland Soccer Club and we moved out. My son was going to high school. So he, we took him down and registered at Bonnet Bay. And then the next year I started coaching down there as well. So that was in 2000, I believe, or close to it. Yeah, right. So, and my wife actually played up until this year is probably the first year that she hasn't played at Bonnet Bay. So we've had, um, I've coached my son and my daughter down there. They're not affiliated, well, certainly not my son, within this squad, but at the club themselves, they're, um, yeah, they we do have a fairly extensive family connection. Um, given most of the volunteer coaches in the Shire are someone who hasn't stood back fast enough, right? So how did yeah. you actually get into the coaching? Well, I coached my daughter's team, um, well, well, my son's team's first. And, like, uh, yeah, I think when you can coach a team and you're not actually a parent, there's a little bit more credibility to it if that's yeah. a, a way to think it. So I actually enjoyed... The fact that um, you know I was just there as a as a coach, um, without a family connection in there. Although I would have loved my daughter to come into the team, but she, um, for whatever reason, didn't want to do that. Um, so yeah, I do enjoy coaching the squad without any family connection. And how I got into it, they just asked me. Yeah. You know, so. And you just said, "Yep." It was a gun team back then as well. I mean, no, no disrespect to the players that we've got now, but I think the whole senior women A comp that was. I think we won it in two thousand and eleven. Uh, I'm not sure, but we won a couple of years. But we had a very, very good side, um, very quick and fast and capable right across the park. Um, and I think we because Peter Burgess, the late great Peter mm. Burgess, had done a lot of work in getting a graded side there. And if you can grade a team you could got obviously a lot of opportunity to have strength across the park we haven't had that luxury in recent years where we're actually you know grading people mm. um we're sort of just you know running with the squad that we've got and bringing people in but um yeah we'll still be uh, a force yeah it's really hard um numbers are increasing across the shire and in sport in general but in in that A grade, um, we did see a bit of a challenge over the years, which is why Shire Premier League has been born, right? To try and attract players to come back and play. How how do you, how have you seen down at Bonnet Bay, with it being a real um, female football friendly club, it, the diminish in players? When, when do they drop off? Do you think as a coach? It's always been um, hard to understand why with the with the women. Um, Particularly to the to the men, um, even though we've seen probably a lot of the uh, the quality drop off in the men's game as well. I'm talking about the PL ones. Um, that that sort of competition um, probably isn't as strong as it was a few years ago. So the, this Premier League um, initiative will be great for for the men's game as well. Mm. Um, I think a lot of them were drawn down south coast competitions, um, but yeah, the the girls. Around that, I know the 21 age group was always really light on. In fact, I think for years we just had a 21 A's single competition. There mm. wasn't even more than one grade in the, in the comp. So I would assume that it's around that 20-year-old 
Mm. You know, or you know, maybe when their parents aren't dropping them. I don't know yeah. what drives that, but yeah, they, they do seem to drop off and then maybe come back a little bit later. I mean, yeah. 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 Look, there's talk that coaching female soccer teams is different to coaching a men's team. Now, my opinion is that every player is unique, male or female. You just need to understand the challenges they face in balancing becoming a player with other demands in their lives. So what what do you think about coaching female soccer? You've coached both men, boys and, and women. Do you see it any differently or is there any challenges that you see? Yeah, the, the biggest difference for me, and, and obviously fundamentally there's probably no difference in terms of the, the principles of play that you want them to adhere to, how they go out doing that, how you train for that. The intensity of training is really different with our squad anyway or the squads that I've been involved with to the boys. They drive themselves with that really competitive nature. Uh, the girls are probably a little bit more um, they're having fun together mm-hmm. so that that competition that the testosterone may bring mm-hmm. is is not there so there's a lot more noise with the boys they're running hard they yeah we sort of miss that with the girls but fundamentally um it's it's similar and i think um you know each position and player has a crucial role in the attack defense and transition so with this in mind we must acknowledge that it's not easy to play soccer in today's game. Communication is essential. How do you coach the players to communicate with their teammates on the field and how do you communicate with them? Well, I just yell from the sideline. <laughs> it's something I've actually got to try and stop this year. I was a bit of an angry man last year. I've got a bit of self-assessment at the end of the competition. I thought, yeah, I could probably relax a little bit. But, Sarah um, paints such a different picture of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe she doesn't hear. She's got, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so communication is key. You know, we often say that it's like having an extra player on the team when you talk. You Just getting back to the, your previous question about the boys and the girls, and that actually probably is one of the biggest differences as well. The boys will talk. Um, the girls, not so much. Not all of them. Like you said before, there's individuals in, in every um, you know, team. We've had players that you just want to stop talking and they won't. <laughs> um, and then, but the majority um, yeah, are, uh, are a little bit quiet and it's one of the things that we do try. So when we're doing a drill, um, obviously there's that, that time where you're trying to learn, okay, who's doing what next? Where's this ball going to go? And I said, this is a brilliant time to actually start to learn to communicate. If you know what the next part of the drill is, call them, let them know. So if you can talk at training during the drills, yes, I'm here, whatever, um, that should move into the game. But, yeah, and also when you're puffed, it's hard. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So as a coach, you would have game plays. Or, or structure or preferred playing styles. Can you share some of these that you have seen work or that you apply regularly? One of the problems that we've had recently, so with, we talk about the principles of play, whether that be offence or defence. It's much easier to adhere to those principles if there's consistency to the position that you play and the teammates around you. One of the problems that coaches have or what we're always looking for is the mismatches on the field. So if someone's, you know, much quicker in a position, you've got to try and put someone in there that can match them. And unfortunately, over the last couple of years, it's actually we've probably moved around our team a little bit too much um, 
and it sort of hurt us a little bit just trying to fix those mismatches on the team on on the part sorry um but yeah there's um in terms of our play yeah that's that's hard one we normally play with a three man or three girl <laughs> three person midfield um with one holding player and two attacking midfielders um to try and build combinations so our big thing is combination play um ball up back through um you know obviously out wide i like to get them to run the ball towards the goal from from out wide rather than running into the corner much harder to deal with in there um and that, that that ball that sort of comes from outside in obviously is trigger for your other teammates to get involved in that combination play so yeah without giving too much away that's what we're looking to do yeah yeah it's those secret game plays that you don't want anyone else to hear right yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. No, not at all. Uh, look, you know, I asked this question of Sarah and got a, a really interesting answer and so I'm going to ask the same question of you. You have a big game on. There's a party that you would like to go to. You have FOMO, right? I'm sure you've heard FOMO. Mm. What does a night out look like to you before a big game? As a coach or a player? As a coach. Oh, do you know what? I'd probably... If it's a big game, we're talking semi-final, you know, the, mm -hmm. the, the business end of the season. Yeah, I probably wouldn't go out too much. I'd be staying home, and um, yeah, so that's probably just a couple of quiet beers. Yeah, get and my so head into the game. Get your head into the game yeah. and prep. Yeah. So prepping's a really personal thing. What does that look like for you? Yeah, it's usually just going over the – I have a, an app on the iPad where I can move the players into the positions that I want, how we're going to start. Um, and, yeah, and and usually a bit of a, uh, a sequence on how we might bring the subs into the game and when we might bring them in. Um, but it usually all goes out the window once they start yeah. running it. You know, but, um, yeah, it's yeah, just trying to – visualize a big um believer in visualizing not so much for coaching but for players and i'll often tell the girls yeah when you're going to bed when you're in bed and you're sleeping or about to go to sleep think about what you're going to do tomorrow how you're going to play it imagine those you know heading the ball in off a corner all those those plays that you might want to do depending on what position of the field you're in i think visualization is key yeah, it really is and and you know you've got your app and everything's working really well on on the iPad um, and then the next day the communication breaks down and it doesn't happen. How do you deal with that on the sideline? You said you were a bit cranky last year. It's does that funny. look like throwing things on the ground? What does that look like? Yeah, actually <laughs> last year it did look a little bit like that. And it's funny that you say that because I actually posted um, the team layout on the – we have another app which we um, – that's like a teamer sort of app. Um, and I thought I'm going to show the girls where they're going to play and there was a few that didn't like where they were and it, we actually, it actually sort of hurt us a little bit. So I've, rather than me just turning up and telling them, okay, this is the layout. Um, yeah, and so there was a, a few, few people were telling me, you know, that they weren't happy with where they were playing or it just put a bad tone for the game. Um, yeah, actually you can probably wipe that answer out. But uh, No, it's a yeah, really good it, answer. It, it, uh, it, it, it is hard but... The thing is that you've got so many different personalities on the on the on the team. Yeah. Um, some think you should be doing one thing, and others obviously another. I I try not to listen to anyone. Sorry, I listen to them all, but I don't like someone to have my ear and feel like that they've got 
their assistant coach. Right, so. 100% because then other players sort of feel, so what I say goes, I want that. I'm a hard taskmaster um, and that's probably why I need to probably just relax a little bit. I expect a lot out of the the team Um, and I think they do too. So, yeah, it's just about me. I think one of the biggest things, the coach really sets the tone for the for team spirit, mm. the camaraderie within a squad. And I think it's very easy to lose sight of that as a coach sometimes, especially if you've been there for a long time. You sort of, sort of think back to, okay, when I started, yeah. we're all brand new. Um, how do we build ourselves up to be a, a force? And I think it's hard to maintain that as you keep going and that's my focus this year is to bring that um, a level of camaraderie, uh, team spirit back into the squad. Not that it wasn't there but I don't think I drove it enough and I think we got into the semifinals without actually really feeling like we were hitting semifinals. Mm. Um, whether that was because of the we were sort of a week before the rest of the competition, I'm not sure why it was but I sort of felt really responsible because I didn't build them up enough for that first game and I think we exited the competition sooner than we we should have. It's good to reflect um, on what worked and learn those lessons um, from and it was the first year. So, you know, you and, and it's hard, for, it must be hard as a coach um, when you've got so many different people who learn differently. You've got the visual and the auditory and they need to hear you as well as see it. And it's interesting that you said, you know, some, some people saw it and went, oh, I don't want to play in that position, but they probably played there before when you've told them to, but they've, when they see it in front of them. Do you think that's something that sort of has impacted as well or when they see it? Yeah, for sure. I think um, so I've had one girl come up to me and say, look, I can't play in that position. I don't know what I'm doing there. And you sort of think too if you're just playing, like you've put the bibs on and you're playing possession. Yeah. It's not like you don't know what to do if you move into another corner of the pitch. It's still football. So you still should be able to see yeah. a, a pass, make the pass. I can understand there's... Um, you know, specialties, so your centre fullbacks, um, you know, they're going to be playing a little bit different. They've got a slightly different skill set, but essentially the game is the same all over the park in terms of those principles of play. Um, the abilities, yeah, you want, you, you you know, obviously you've got the height, you've got the speed, you've got all the things that sort of come into making it a position a little bit unique. But, yeah, and I, so it's basically confidence, you know. Mm. But having said, as I said before, if you can play the same position consistently throughout the season you're going to play it better than being moved around and it's a luxury we've sort of struggled with in the last couple of seasons probably due to me trying to find the the perfect you know balance and scenario and you can only do that on game day so you don't get a lot of opportunity um so yeah that's we we do struggle a bit with that well, I'm really excited to to hear that you're invested in uh, the team again for this year after being involved for 20-odd years. You've got a great assistant coach now um, in Sarah, bringing um, her from her playing on the game now to teaching and coaching and I think she'll learn a lot from you. So bef- I really thank you for your time and before we go, I have one last question for you. Yep. Uh, what is one piece of advice that you would give to young, aspiring female footballers? Is it advice or a statement? But one of the things, and the girls, all the people that I've coached over the years get sick of hearing me say this, is the difference between a good player and a great player is work rate. 
and um, if you work hard, you will, will be better than if you don't. So yeah, it's uh, your ability, you will learn all this, all the other bit, it's, it's working hard on the park. Thank you so much. Um, and I look forward to seeing you and your team uh, for this year and hopefully walking away with that shiny medal. Uh, we'll do our best. <laughs> Thanks, Rod. All right, cheers. Thanks, guys. So grateful for this club sharing their insights into the world of Premier League women's football that is going on in our very own backyard. To watch the live streaming and follow the Premier League teams each week, go to the website at shirefootball.com.au. You can listen to all the episodes on ShirePod, streaming through Podbean, Apple Podcast, Spotify and Google, or wherever you download your podcast. ShirePod is a community podcast station creating sound waves that inspire.